The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but, but everyone to come to repentance. This is the word of God. Um, can I move this over here? Or is this okay? Can I just stand here? Thank you. Sorry, I, I use pen and paper because I don't know how to use technology. Um, thank you. All right. Hi, uh, my name is Sarah. I've been the intern education pastor here for about a year and a half now. And um, a little bit about me. I work full-time for a nonprofit in the city called the National Kidney Foundation. Um, but don't ask me anything about kidneys because I don't know. In my interview, I learned that you actually have two kidneys and they're back here. But anyway, that's where I work. Um, I am a part-time student at Alliance Theological Seminary. Um, I am working for my master's in uh, biblical studies. And I feel like everyone who speaks, we introduce ourselves by our personality types, which I don't really like to pigeonhole people into these things, but I think they are helpful, so I'm just going to get that out of the way. Um, my Enneagram is a type 9, which is labeled peacemaker. My Myers-Briggs is an INFP, which is a mediator. Both of these personality types hate conflict or confrontation. They will do anything they can to avoid it, and they always want peace in, in all of their environments. So anyway, that's me. And for you 1030 folks, I just wanted to share um, this little tidbit, but I have just had so much fun, and it's been such a joy serving your kids in education for the past year and a half. Um, I just really love them, and I think they're so special. And, sorry, I'm very nervous. Um, they're so special and they're incredibly smart and wise and compassionate. I just think they're, they're out of this world. But um, recently we had a candidate come in to interview for the education pastoral position. And um, after he had finished his interview and gave his sermon to the kids, uh, we were talking and he asked me, what makes your children's ministry different? Or what sets you guys apart? And I've only done children's ministry at my home church, which is like five kids, and in Africa. So I don't really have context. I don't really know what it's like at other churches, but I answered him and I said, I really think that it's our kids. I just think they're so smart. I think they're so wise. I think they're so compassionate. And he just nodded his head and he said, interesting and this is after he met all of them so I guess there are like maybe I'm biased and there's smarter better kids out there somewhere but I think that your kids our new mercy kids are the best so um, before we start I'm just going to pray for us um, Father God, we just thank you so much for Movement Sunday. Uh, we thank you for showing your heart for your, um, your children all over the world. And we just ask that you'd help us continue to tune our hearts to what you're doing in other countries, God. And that you would continue to grow our hearts and open our eyes to see and to um, serve those around us. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so before we start, I just want to read Second Peter again. I actually have um, the ESV version, so I'm going to read that for you guys. 
the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So this is the verse that's been weighing on my heart for the last two months now. Um, I just really love it, and I think it's relevant to uh, the season that I'm in. But before I go into that, I wanted to share a little bit of my uh, personal story. And... Yeah, my, my personal testimony. So I grew up in central New Jersey with my mom, my dad, and my older brother, um, whose name is Josh. You guys probably know him as Pastor Josh. He served here for a while. Um, and growing up, I was the youngest daughter, and I grew up very obedient. So um, my family used to call me Cinderella because I would do the dishes and swear for the floor. Anything my parents told me to do, I would do it. Anything my brother told me to do, I would do it. And it just grew into this desire where I needed to do anything to make my parents happy, anything to please everyone around me. And I never wanted to burden anyone. I never wanted anyone to worry about me. And then it ended up at a very young age, developing into this idea that the less that I showed of myself or the um, less I showed how I really felt, the better. And because I never wanted to be an inconvenience to anyone. And over the years, this thought became a reality. And by the time I became a teenager, it developed into a really deep-rooted self-hatred. Um, a deep-rooted self-hatred, and I became very insecure about myself. I became really insecure even about the way that I looked, and I even thought, like, the way that I look is not pleasing to people. I have to change myself. I have to be different. Um, and one of my most vivid memories in high school was just coming home from school and sobbing in front of a mirror and asking God, if you love me, why do I look like this? If you love me, why did you make me like this? And I was just filled with feelings of um, unworthiness. I don't deserve to be here. And um, by my junior year of high school, I developed an eating disorder, and I became bulimic. And on my worst days, I was, I think I was binging and purging about eight times a day. But this is how I dealt with my anxiety, and this is how I tried to control my life. And the more I tried to control it, the more it got out of hand. And I remember I didn't tell anyone. Uh, I just kept trying to make myself smaller physically and emotionally because um, that's all I wanted. Um, I just wanted to disappear. So I went to college. I'm still struggling with my eating disorder. Um, I haven't told anyone yet. Years have, have gone by. And to just paint a picture of how much of a secret this was. My family is here right now today, and they're hearing this story for the first time. Hi, guys. So I went to college. I'm still struggling with my eating disorder, and I didn't tell anyone this because I was so ashamed, and I told God, I will never tell anyone this. This is something that I'm going to take to the grave with me, and I was so angry because I just remember praying to God over and over for healing, but I just heard nothing. And it was at this time that God started tugging at my heart and telling me to bring this into the light and start telling people. But 
every single time I just said no. And I am also very, very, uh, I'm a very stubborn person. My husband knows this. I'm very sorry, but I'm incredibly stubborn. So even to God, repeatedly, year after year, I said, no, I'm going to take this to the grave with me. But if you heal me, God, if you heal me and I'm done, then I can tell people. When it's over, when I'm better, then I can tell people. Um, but I just kept in the dark until my health was the worst that it had ever been. So four years later, uh, my junior year of college, I was talking to a friend, and at this point, I just feel completely defeated. Um, I was just tired. I had lost all hope at this point, and I had reached the point where I thought, what could I possibly lose by sharing with this person? So I told them what I was going through. I told them how many years um, I had been dealing with this. And immediately after I shared with this person, they had revealed to me that they were also struggling with an eating disorder. And it, in that moment, God shed so much light onto us that we were just laughing and weeping hysterically um, because it just clicked in that moment. And I just thought, Lord, you see me. Lord, you hear me. And then after that, I just started sharing with people around me. And through that, God started giving me freedom. And I started to feel release. And I was still struggling uh, with my insecurities. I was still struggling physically. Um, but I wasn't ashamed anymore. And as I started to reflect on his goodness, I just thought less and less of myself. So even as I talk to you guys about it now, this all feels like just a memory from the past. And, you know, God didn't heal me in a really big, crazy way. I didn't see it in a dream or in a vision. It just happened so naturally, naturally, the less I thought of myself and the more that I thought of him. So I struggled with bulimia for seven years of my life. And sometimes I look back and I think, why did it have to take seven years, God? Why did it have to take so long? Um, but there's an illustration that I heard during this time that I carried with me um, through this period. And does anyone here know how silver is tried or how it's made shiny the way that we see it? No. I feel like when we sermon prep, we become experts on these random topics. So Tina is an expert at pruning and Pastor Wanta is an expert at redwood trees or sequoia trees, and Patty is an expert at um, clay making and pottery. But anyway, so I'm a silversmith now. And um, so when a silversmith tries silver, it comes to him rough and impure. And in order for it to become pure, the silver has to go through an incredibly hot fire. So when the silver is in the fire, all of its impurities rise to the top, and the silversmith has to blow off all the impurities or scrape them off. And then you have to do this again. The silver goes to the fire, the impurities rise, and then the impurities are scraped off or blown off the top. And... They have to repeat this process over and over and over. And how does the silversmith know that the silver is ready? It's when he can see his own reflection in it. And Psalm 66.10 says, For you have tried us, O God. You have refined us as silver is refined. But did you also know that not all silver can be refined? Um, some silver contains metal, so even when it goes to the fire, the silver won't let go of that metal, and it can't be purified. So the, it's rejected by the fire, and then the silversmith throws it away. And when I heard this illustration, I can't help but think, God, thank you for not 
giving up on me. Thank you for not tossing me away. The Lord was so patient with me during those seven years. Um, you know, I went through the fire, and even then I wouldn't let go of my insecurities. I wouldn't let go of my self-pity. I wouldn't let go of these things. But God still continued to put me through the fire. He continued to scrape off my impurities until um, I looked more and more like him. And I just love um, the second half of this verse of Second Peter. Um, you know, the Lord not wishing any to perish, but that all should reach repentance. I just feel like God waited for me to reach repentance so that I could be refined, so that I could look more like him and it's not that my image of myself was skewed but it's that my image of God was skewed I couldn't see who he was and I needed to bring myself into alignment with him and who he was um, I also love um, you know I, I wonder if I had been obedient sooner um, I would have been healed so much faster and the healing process would have been so much easier and I can't help but wonder like God why couldn't you have sped up this process why couldn't this have happened sooner but um, you know I love the part of this verse that says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness and I love as some count slowness because it just highlights that we have no concept of God's timing you know I'm 27 years now now, 27 years old now, and this was seven years of my life. This was a quarter of my life. I just wonder, God, why did it have to take so long? But um, when I read this part, I just realize that seven years in God's hands is, is nothing, you know? Um, yeah, what God did in seven years completely changed my life. And um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to share this part with the congregation today, but as I was preparing, I felt really convicted too. Um, I've already shared with parts of our community, but I wanted to share with you all today. Um, for me right now, I've been in a very difficult season. Um, I've been struggling a lot with my mental health, and I've been wrestling with um, anxiety and panic attacks um, and depression more severely in the last year and a half. Um, so I got my first panic attack when I was in college. That was seven years ago, and they've been on and off. Um, back then, they used to happen maybe like once or every two months, so I was fine. But um, in the last year, they've been happening more frequently, and my mental health has gotten a little worse, um, where I get panic attacks maybe like once a week now. Um, and it's just, it just takes such a, a physical and emotional toll on my body. And every time they happen, I just feel like I'm out of commission for a few days because I'm just so tired. Um, so now I am entering into my seventh year of wrestling with this. And I don't know if you guys believe in prophetic numbers, but... Um, I was healed of my eating disorder at seven years, so I'm going to go into 2020 believing that um, I'll be healed of panic attacks this year. Amen? Um, yeah, and I just find myself back at that place wondering, um, you know, as I wrestle with, with my anxiety, um, I just find myself wondering, like, Lord, why am I here on this earth? Why did you make me? And... I feel back at that same place where I say, God, I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. But I hear that same voice telling me again um, to bring it into the light, which is why I wanted to share with all of you today. 
um, you know, whatever season that you're in, whatever year of um, disappointment or sadness or frustration or whatever year of hoping that you're entering into, I just wanted to encourage you and remind you that um, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. So, um, sorry, weird sounds I'm making into the microphone. Um, so I want to go into this year um, just letting go of all the things that prevent me from being refined. Um, I want to let go of anxiety, um, of sadness, of fear, of doubt. I want to let go of these things and release them because I want to be more obedient um, to the Father. And I want to I look more and more like him. And um, can I have the praise team come down? Uh, Sorry, I keep blowing into this mic. I'm sorry, it sounds gross. Um, but my that's my prayer for a new mercy this year as well. Um, you know, our theme this year is his faithfulness, our stories. And um, I just want to have us all reflect on these past few years of our lives and just remember that God is never slow to fulfill his promises and just repeat that over and over. God is never slow to fulfill his promises. So no matter how many years that you've been waiting for something or hoping for something, I just want to remind you that God is never slow, right? Um, and so my hope is that, um, you know, I'll be healed this year, but even if it doesn't happen next year or the year after that, um, I hope that I'll be standing before you um, sharing about how I was healed. Um, yeah, sharing my testimony with you once again about how God uh, was so faithful in my life. Um, so if we could just go into a time of prayer. And um, maybe you're not like me. Maybe right now God has really brought you into a season of um, joy. Maybe you're in a season of abundance right now. So let's just pray and remember God's faithfulness of how he brought you to this place of joy, how he brought you into this season. But if you're like me and you feel stuck and you're struggling, um, yeah, let's just pray that we remember God's faithfulness in our lives and we just hold on to his promises that, God, you do fulfill your promises and just take some time. Lord, we trust in your timing. We trust in who you are. And we trust that you are moving through our stories, Lord. So let's just enter into a time of prayer. <clears throat> 